Leviticus 10 is um, an interesting chapter. Uh, And I didn't... So when I divided up the readings, the way I divided them up was basically uh, three equal parts. There's 27 chapters in Leviticus, 9, 18, 27. Okay, so it's 9, 18. And there was something of the hand of providence, I think, in that, because I had never noticed that the Day of Atonement passage in chapter 16 picks up the story. It's basically a response to the story in chapter 10 about Aaron's sons being consumed. All right, so go, go real quick to Leviticus 16. This is sort of, I think I'm going to talk more about the, the Day of Atonement next week. Um, it's too much to just kind of wedge into uh, a teaching. So I, I think that's where we're going to hang out next week. Um, but chapter 16 opens up like this. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of two, the two sons of Aaron. When they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place. Basically, instead of that, do this. And then we have the description of the Day of Atonement. So I thought that was interesting. Um, And like I said, we'll talk more about that next week. But I never noticed that it it really is a response to what had happened in chapter 10. So let's go to chapter 10. Um, I'm not really going to talk about the sons of Aaron being put to death. Um, I think the most interesting verse in that whole section is, and Aaron held his peace. Right? Aaron, though he was a father, though that must have grieved his heart deeply, he understood that the holiness of God was at stake. And that was, he, he really did have a sense of the holiness of God, and that's what caused him to hold his peace. All right. Um, so where I want to start tonight is... Verse 8 of that chapter. No, that's not where I want to start tonight. I, just, I should look at my notes before I start talking. <laughs> I want to start in Exodus 19. I forgot. I want, to read three, I want to read three passages of Scripture that I think sound an awful lot alike. But they're from three very different parts of the Bible. Exodus 19, verse 4. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, let's go to Leviticus chapter 18. And then put a finger there and go to Matthew 28. I'm going to read from Matthew first. Matthew 28, 16. You should know this reference. You should have this memorized. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus, to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped 
but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now go to Leviticus 18, start in verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. What do we see that's common in each of these three scriptures? Each of them are a description of the purpose of God. Each of them encapsulates the purpose of God in history. Okay, in Exodus 19, what does he say? We came out of Egypt. I brought you out of Egypt. Now I brought you to myself. Now learn from me. And when you do that, you will become to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In Matthew, we see all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, therefore, go and make disciples teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Leviticus says, don't do what they did in Egypt. Don't do what they do in the land that you're going to. Learn from me what I like, what I desire. And if you do that, that will be life. Do you see how the purpose of God echoes in each of those three passages of Scripture? And this, I think, is a major key to really reading the book of Leviticus as the word of God for us. Because we read this book, what is God up to during the book of Leviticus? He says over and over, he has brought them out of Egypt. He is teaching them what he is like. (laughs) And he is bringing them into the land. Let me say that again. He brought them out of Egypt. He is teaching them how to live, what he is like, and he's bringing them into the land to be like he is in the midst of those nations. So where we are in the book of Leviticus is we are in this part of God's story where he is teaching them what he is like and how they are to live. And we cannot cannot abstract it from history because within this law itself... He's saying, in a lot of places, the reason you need to do it this way is because I don't want you to do it the way the Egyptians did. That's not how I do it. The reason you need to do it this way is I don't want you to do it in the way that the nations do it that you're going to live amongst. You're going to be separate from them, different. And so I want to talk about those three things in the book of Leviticus tonight because it... it, brings, I think, into much greater clarity these purity laws and the holiness and the the distinguishing uh, between uh, clean and unclean. 
So there's, I think these three, there's, there's past, present, and future. Okay? I brought you out. I'm teaching you now. And we are going into the land. All right? We have to keep all of this in mind. So I just want to look at this in the book of Leviticus. So first, out of Egypt. Okay? I, I want to kind of whiz through a bunch of scriptures here. 11, chapter 11, verse 44. For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. You shall not defile yourselves with any swarming thing that crawls on the ground. This is right in the middle of his description of the clean and the unclean animals. For I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Right? Right in the middle of all of those dietary stipulations. He says, don't do this because... I brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. I brought you out of Egypt. Chapter 19, verse 34. This is very interesting. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you yourselves... You were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Here's a law and a reason. Because I brought you out of Egypt. And he says that over and over. There's, there's a lot of times in, in, in Leviticus he says, because I am the God who brought you out of Egypt. Because, I, because that's back there. That's back there. So this is how we're going to live now. Uh, chapter 10. So that's out of Egypt. A lot of these things were laws because God had to get Egypt out of his people. He brought them out of Egypt. Now he had to get Egypt out of them. As he has done that, he has now brought, him, brought them to a place where they are learning obedience. So go to chapter 10. So this is the second big point. So the first point is out of Egypt. The second point is... Learning obedience. All right, so this is where I was originally going to start. Um, verse 8. This is right after Aaron's son dies. Aaron's sons die. And God says, okay, no, all right, that was wrong. <laughs> now let me tell you what we're doing. Let me reiterate for you what this project is that we're undertaking. The Lord spoke to Aaron, saying, Drink no wine or strong drink, you or your sons with you, when you go into the tent of meeting, lest you die. Um, that might have been one of the reasons why Aaron's sons offered a, a strange fire, it says. They, they were drunk, and they weren't even paying attention to what they were doing. Right? They, they had given themselves over to intoxication and went right into the presence of God. And God says, No. You don't come into my presence intoxicated. You come with sobriety. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common, between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. So the laws were given because 
We are coming out of Egypt. The laws are given because we're making a separation. We are learning to distinguish. We are being different. Okay? And this is what holy means. It means separate, set apart. Uh, Chapter 20, verse 25. Uh, Start in verse, the end of verse 24. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean. You see the connection there? I've separated you. I've made a line. I've drawn a line between the way the world does it and you, my nation. So in order to teach you this aspect of myself, I want you to draw a line between this set of animals and this set of animals. Between this way of doing it and this way of doing it. Does that make sense? What are we learning? We are learning about holiness. We're learning who God is. He's different. He's separate. His people are different. They're separate. Verse 26, you shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. This is a major underpinning of many of the laws. Why do we separate the clean from the unclean? Because God is a God who separates the clean from the unclean. We're learning to be like God. It's not an arbitrary standard. It's a way to be like God. There's a very interesting verse in Hebrews 5. And if you've been through our foundations classes, you know this verse well. But he says something very interesting here. The end of chapter 5 of Hebrews. He's getting on his readers, the writer of Hebrews is getting on his readers for their lack of maturity. Okay, And he says this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. And here's the mark of maturity. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Do you see what God is doing? This is an, un, is, is an immature, childlike nation. And he is training them to distinguish good from evil. And that is a mark of maturity. You have become mature when you know what's good and what's bad. The writer of Hebrews says, a mark of maturity is one who has their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. All right, so do you see how that echoes of what God's project with the Israelites in the book of Leviticus? He's giving them lines... And having them go and separate clean from unclean. Live in this way. 
being trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Separating good from bad is a marker of maturity. And God here in Leviticus is embarking on the project of maturing his people. Uh, there's another aspect of this. In, uh, you can read Genesis 1, and it's the same word. Okay? Separation, distinguishing, is an act of creation. It's what God is doing in the book of Genesis. God separated the light from the darkness. Okay? This is something God does. And so here in Leviticus, he's doing this again. He is recreating his people out of the chaos of sinful humanity. He's saying, humanity has, is corrupt. I am separating this nation out to be different from all of that. And what we should hear in that is not exclusivity. What we should hear in that is creativity. God is once again, God is moving in the earth. He's moving on the abyss, the dark, formless void of sinful humanity. And he's saying, light, darkness, which is the first step of creation. Okay, so here God is not only maturing his people by teaching them to distinguish good from evil, but he's recreating humanity. He's once again saying, I need a people where I can look down and say, and God saw that people, and that was good. That was good. But you also remember in Genesis, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was off limits. I don't think it was always meant to be off limits. But the, what they had to learn before the knowledge of good and evil, before they were exposed to good and evil, was they needed to learn obedience. That's why the tree, that was the point of obedience. No, not yet. Only as you obey me. That tree, you can eat of any other tree. Don't eat of that tree. They are learning how to distinguish good from evil. God was maturing them in the garden by forbidding that they just go off on their own and decide good and evil and throw themselves into that project. No, wait, obey me. Learn how to, with me, in conjunction with me, in obedience and in openness to me, I will teach you how to distinguish good from evil. And then you will be mature. You see that? You see how this, this book of Leviticus, in, in these laws of separating the clean from the unclean, really reveal to us what God does with his people. <clears throat> and we're also learning what holiness is. It means different, that God is holy. He's not like all of this. He's not like Pharaoh. He's not like the other gods. He stands outside all of that. And if we're his people, and we're to reflect who he is, we are going to stand outside a lot of the way the world does it. A lot of the way the sinful peoples do it. All right, so these laws are given because we're not to do it the way of Egypt. In the way of Egypt, the people of God are to instead learn obedience, learn how to distinguish good from evil, learn how to 
identify as these separated people of God. But it doesn't stop there. Okay, because the third step in the purpose of God is now to go into the land and to live differently within that land. And we know from the rest of Scripture that the purpose of being different from the nations was to actually bring blessing to the nations. But you can't bring blessing to the nations if you're just like them. That would be a curse. They're living under a curse. They're living in sin. In order to be a blessing to the nations, which was the promise 400 years before the book of Leviticus... It's what God has always been up to. It's what he's still up to all through Scripture. In order to be a blessing to the nations, you have to learn how to distinguish good from evil. And then you also have to learn how to live in the midst of encroaching idolatry, constant pressure to, let, to, to break the lines, to let down the walls, constant, constant attack. You have to learn how to live within the midst of that. So that you can be a blessing to those nations. So they can come not out of attack, but they can come knowing that the God of this nation is the God of all the earth. So listen to some scripture here in, in Leviticus, uh, verse, uh, chapter 14. Chapter 14, verse 34. He's right in the middle of talking about houses, about uh, houses with mildew. <laughs> the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When you come into the land of Canaan, which I, give, which I give you for a possession, and I put a case of leprous disease in a house in the land of your possession, then he who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, and on and on. But there he puts into it, he's giving laws for cleanliness of households, And he's making reference to, because when you get into the land where I'm sending you, you need a way to to deal with this. Uh, Chapter 18. Eighteen twenty-four. So this is a chapter about all the different kinds of forbidden. Uh, lines of sexual relationships. Everyone that you cannot be with sexually and, and just laws for sexual purity. Verse 24. Do not, do not make yourselves unclean by any of these things. For by all these, the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean. Don't do any of these stuff because where I'm sending you, that's what has made them impure. They need a way to become pure. Don't do any of these things because when you get to the land, you're going to need to be doing it differently. You're going to need to have, show, be able to show a different way. And the land has become unclean so that I punished its iniquity. And the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you shall keep my statutes and my rules and do none of these abominations, either the native or the stranger or who sojourns among you, For the people of the land who were before you did all of these abominations so that the land became unclean. This is the promised land. It has become the land itself has become unclean because of all these things that the people before you have been doing in the land. We need to go clean up the land. 
live this way, and as you enter the land, it will become clean. Lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nation that was before you. For everyone who does any of these abominations, the persons who do them shall be cut off from among their people. So keep my charge never to practice any of these abominable customs that were practiced before you, and never to make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Chapter 20, verse 23. You can start in 22. You shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them, that the land where I am bringing you may to live may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the customs of the nation that I am driving out before you. For they did all these things, and therefore I detested them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to a good place. This is the land that I promised to Abraham. It has become unclean because of its inhabitants. I'm, bringing, I'm driving out those inhabitants. I'm bringing in new inhabitants. And unless you live differently than the way that they live, the land is going to vomit you out as well. So what does all this mean for us? I mean, I think this gives us a great context in which to continue to read Leviticus and see what God is really up to. Right? He's distancing Egypt, leaving that behind. Training them to separate good from evil. Teaching them the basics of the way God is. And he's taking them into a land to possess it. So it gives us a great way to read Leviticus. But I think even more than that, and this is where I, I want us to allow this to work on our own lives tonight. This is our story. Right? This is not just the story of the Israelites. This is the story of the people of God, and so it's our story. God has, God has brought us out of the sin that held us captive. Right? He has delivered us. There is an Egypt that is back there for all of us. He is teaching us. I mean, that's what, that's what discipleship is. It's being a student of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. He is teaching us, as the Great Commission says, to observe everything that he has commanded And in doing that, he is commissioning us to accomplish his purposes, to build the kingdom, to share the gospel, to possess the land that he has given us. So we see all the different aspects of life that God was interested in in the book of Leviticus. Right? Uh, Bodily hygiene. um, How to cleanse disease, how to live in relationship with each other. And so the things that we need to ask ourselves, uh, what what to eat and what not to eat, our food, our eating habits, uh, our sexual lives, all of these things God was wanting to to have access to and, and reform so that he could have a people that was different so that they could show all of the rest of the nations how to live. And so for us, we're in, this, we're in this process, right? There are things God has brought you out of. And so you need to ask yourself, are there 
Do I still engage in anything that looks like any of that back there? Are there still Egyptian ways that I do things? Does anything in my life still look like the life God saved me out of? (laughs) That's one question you should ask yourself. And if so, you might need to hear the word of God coming to you. Thus says the Lord, you shall not do that thing. You shall not have that kind of attitude. You shall not relate to people in that way. You shall not have thoughts like that. And if we're asking those questions... Does anything in my life look like Egypt, look like the world that I've been delivered out of, the the slavery of sin that I've been delivered out of? If we're asking those questions, we have to ask this question. Have I truly learned obedience in that area? And obedience is this, hearing and doing the will of God. Hearing and doing the will of God. If you haven't learned obedience in an area, you're either not hearing what God wants Or you know what he wants and you're not doing it. So all of that life that's that's back there, God is bringing you out of and he's saying, no, I don't like it that way. I take delight in this kind of life. Can you hear that? Can you hear my heart? Do you know what I see as good and what I see as bad? Do you know the difference? Do you hear that? And are you doing that? Right? Because it can be either of those problems. Maybe you don't hear the the will of God. Maybe there are areas in your life where you haven't really asked God his will. How would you have me eat? How would you have me practice hygiene? (laughs) So have I truly learned obedience, hearing and doing in, in these areas, have I given God access and total say in every area of my life? And then as we look to the future, then as we look to our hope, the, the building of the kingdom, the, the possessing of the land, the uh, establishment of thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven... The Great Commission, the making disciples of all nations, as we look toward that, the glory of God filling the earth through our lives, we ask ourselves, does anything exist now in my life that doesn't fit in heaven, that doesn't fit in the kingdom, that I need to let God get rid of in my life so that as we are establishing the kingdom, it's not like the people's lives that we are going to bless and call out of sin. It's not like their lives. So we need to ask ourselves, does anything in my life not build the kingdom? Not just does anything in my life look like Egypt, but does anything in my life not proactively and creatively establish the kingdom? Is it just sort of inert? Is it just the customs of the land that I'm going to? The customs of my surroundings? Is it just the way, the culture I swim in? Is anything in my life just like everyone's else, like everyone else's just because? 
Okay, so that's, that's another question we can ask ourselves. Ultimately, the kingdom, the New Testament tells us, is not a matter of eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Ultimately, for us, all of the law and the prophets hang on this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. He who loves, Romans says, has fulfilled the law. So what we're asking about is not so much what are the clean and unclean animals. Although God may have something to say to you in that area. But what it's all pointing to is that God has delivered us from a life of inward love, of self-love, self-obsession. He has oriented us outward. (laughs) He's teaching us which things are loving and which things are selfish. He's teaching us how to distinguish from that which builds my kingdom versus that which builds the kingdom of God. And he's giving us in relationship to each other. And so what he's after in our lives are the things that come in between us and God total devotion to him, love of him, being captured with him, all of our affections devoted to him, and out of that relationship being given in service to each other. And so God is after the things in Egypt that come in between us and that. He's trying to mature us to help us distinguish, how do I figure out what's loving and what's not? And how can I be the kind of person who actively does establish the kingdom, who is a loving person, who walks in the footsteps of Jesus. What God is after is this, loving relationships aimed at proclaiming the gospel. That's what we're doing. That's the land to which he has called us. That is the Canaan, the flowing with milk and honey. For us to have loving relationships that are aimed at declaring the gospel. That's it. And so he is, he is teaching us to separate ourselves from any other life agenda that we would live by. And he will tell us very specific things about how we can separate ourselves from just the, the typical American way of life or English way of life (laughs) and how to live as his separate and holy people that that does it differently that does it his way that pleases him even when you know it's not for show we don't want to make a show make this big all right here's how we dress around here that's not it but what it is is I love the verse that says the Lord knows those who are his He knows the people that really just want to please him and everything. And that's where he wants to get us. Do you want to please God? And ultimately, everything that you see in the book of Leviticus is a way to tell God that we we want to please him more than we want to please ourselves. It's really what it comes down to. What were those sacrifices about? God has some technical system where it has to be this amount of blood. No. The key phrase in all the sacrifices is the pleasing aroma. 
the incense, the altar of incense that was before the Holy of Holies, that is the prayers of the saints. And Aaron's sons came in and they were drunk. They weren't, they weren't aimed at, at communing with God. They were just doing their own thing. And God said no. Because God wants pure incense. He wants real prayer. He wants real relationship with you. Not just outward, flippant relationship with you. He wants genuine prayer. Genuine uh, communion. Love the Lord your God with all your soul. That's, this is the life we live. Leviticus, it, it's, it, it begins as a foreign world to us until we really get to know the God who's giving these statutes and it becomes more and more familiar to us. The more we ask God to open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of his law. Amen? So let me, let me just give you those, those questions again. Does anything in my life still look like the life God saved me from? Have I truly learned obedience, which means hearing and doing his will? Have I given God access and total say in every area? Would anything in my life not fit in heaven? Would it pollute the land? Does anything in my life not build the kingdom, which is loving relationships aimed at proclaiming the gospel? So this is how, yes, Leviticus is, is kind of a slog in these purity sections. But this is what God's up to. He's up to, in Leviticus, the same thing that he's up to in our lives. He's called us out. He's teaching us his ways. And he's sending us into the land. Isn't that good? This, we are a Leviticus people. The, we need to know the statutes. We need to cling to them. They are, a, a, they are gracious to us. And uh, so this week, let's, let's ponder those, those questions. And maybe talk about them in, in accountability groups and home groups. Um, God wants to separate us from the way the world does it. And he wants to teach us how to live differently. I got to end with my favorite, one of my favorite scriptures. You know where I'm going. Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared. We'll close with this. This will be our closing blessing. So just receive this proclamation. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. We know our past. We see our present. And we hope for the future. And God's up to the same thing uh, that he was in the book of Leviticus with his people. With all of the, the bats and the rodents and the, everything. God wants to get in your life and tell you, no, don't eat that. Eat this. 
No, this doesn't please me. Yes, this does please me. And we can have that kind of relationship uh, by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word again, Lord, and we, we ask that you would continue to open our eyes to behold wondrous things, that we would learn how to truly walk with you as your people in the earth and bring you glory to please your heart, God. Lord, get into the areas of our lives that we need, uh, that we need to, to hear and do your will. And uh, Lord, thank you that you are the God who has brought us out of Egypt. Uh, Thank you that you are a faithful God and you are a gracious Father. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.